ESPN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Another interesting day in the markets, especially if you were catching some of the early news today. Um, should reiterate, though, we saw some definite lower numbers happening in our grain complex. It was mixed on the livestock side. But having said that, as we look at some of the happenings within this trade today, um, interesting things, obviously, of what's been happening with the Fed meeting. We're probably going to kick off with that. Um, Ukraine's out there. They're asking for more help and then south america don't worry the markets have not forgotten about south america even though there's been other factors everybody's been watching arlen suderman joins us today he is with stonex and arlen i'm going to start out with a tweet that you put out oh i don't know right before right after one o'clock today and it talked about the feds expects to begin reducing its holdings of treasury securities and agency debt and agency mortgage-backed securities at a coming meeting that's just kind of left everything up in the air didn't it in some ways with the feds? Well, it, it really did. And I think that's one of the keys. And I've been kind of following the press conference that Jay Powell uh, is giving uh, about their policy meeting. And uh, here's what I've garnered from it. There's still not an agreement on how fast they should withdraw the stimulus, which they call shrinking the balance sheet. And, and why is that important? It's because that balance sheet represents stimulus that's still in the economy, well over $6 trillion of stimulus. They talk on and on about inflation keeps lingering faster than what they thought. Um, and uh, a lot of it's due to supply chain issues. Well, one is, what is one of the bigger reasons of the supply chain issues is that demand is elevated at a hyper-elevated level because of all the stimulus that's in, in the economy. Even with inflation and consumers complaining about inflation, they still have the money to spend, and they still are. And that spending really shifted during COVID to less of a focus on services and more of a focus on buying goods. And so that creates a, a stronger demand on our delivery system, on our production and delivery system, than what the system was designed to take. And if they withdraw that stimulus, they can slow that demand and start solving our supply chain issues as well. But they failed to acknowledge that problem. And so they said, okay, they said that in this meeting, they, they came pretty close to reaching an agreement on when and how to um, to shrink the balance sheet, but they'll announce the details at a later meeting, not the later meeting, which says they're not sure when they're going to come to an agreement. They just want to communicate that there's going to be something coming in the future. They can't agree on it, uh, and that's simply what has to happen. Now, of course, they're concerned how much high energy prices may be stagnating the economy right now and that's kind of a problem they've created for themselves they should have been doing this a year ago starting to pull, raise interest rates and and pull money stimulus out of the economy now they have to do it at a time when the war is going on in ukraine and we have hyper elevated energy prices and it makes it that much more challenging to try to find the right mix to kind of slow the economy down to a healthy level without bringing it into a recession. So how did the dollar react to all this news today? 
Well, as we look at how the markets reacted, we saw a little bit of a sobering move by um, the stock market. And when we look at the dollar, it really didn't matter a whole lot, change a whole lot. It did rally a little bit for about the first 30 minutes. And then as soon as Jay Powell started speaking at the press conference, it started going back to where it was before the whole announcement came out. So the dollar still remains elevated as it's kind of the the safe haven trade for many in the world right now with the uncertainty around Ukraine, and this didn't really change that. We did see yields on 10-year treasuries uh, push higher. They are starting to pull back to levels where they were prior to the announcement, but we saw yields on 10-year treasuries today trade as high as about two and a quarter percent, which is a 32-month high on those expectations of more rate hikes to come. So looking at everything, and then earlier today, we saw the the president of Ukraine kind of reach out in, in a plea with the United States, uh, meeting with many members of Congress and, and showing a very gut-wrenching video as well to say, I, we need help. As the markets reacted, uh, obviously the, the stocks, everything just kind of took a hold of what that had to say. Yeah, and, and really what we saw across the board today was uh, a marketing of a hope, a hope that we would have a peace treaty soon um, that was fueled by uh, President Zelensky's presentation, which frankly reminds me of Churchill a lot with his courage and his stamina and his, um, his, his way to you know, willingness to fight, et cetera, for what's right. Um, and, and hope created by r- rumors, really, or reports, really, from both sides that we're seeing progress in the peace talks. Uh, I think the market is assuming, therefore, that all the grain flow is going to be okay. There won't be any food shortages. And, and we can't say that. There's already been so much damage as we're getting reports now of intentional destruction of farm equipment, of tractors, etc., of farm ground, of infrastructure. And uh, we believe if the war were to end today, we would have significant reduction in area planted of crops this year, as well as the yields and harvestability and certainly reduction in exportable supplies. It comes down to if I were to tell you that we're going to have a major drought in Ukraine this year that's going to result in a, in a small corn crop, the markets would really respond to that. But that's essentially what we've already done with this war. Um, and that's certainly what it looks like, high odds of a short crop. And the market really hasn't priced that in yet, I don't think. We'll talk more about that when we come back. Stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. As we get ready to head into the second half of the Fontenelle final bell, you know, it didn't seem too long ago we were just talking about weather and the effects we were going to see on this trade, how much more this global effect is playing into what's happening. Stick around. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle final bell on the Rural Radio Network. We're back with another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish of Fontenelle Hybrids, visiting with dealer Norm Brueger in the Albion area. Norm, tell us about one of the positive aspects that you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle. I feel that uh, the Fontenelle seed uh, is very consistent year in and year out. You know, the weather in Nebraska, we got late plant, we've got drought, we've got insect pressure, and Fontenelle seems to be steady. We're always kind of rolls right through all of those weather conditions and uh, anything mother nature throws it it seems to uh, withstand the conditions that we plant in very very well 
They are wonderful to work with, uh, Fontenelle people. We've had excellent district sales managers and return customers. Uh, they come back. They are satisfied. It's a real joy working with Fontenelle people. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can certainly contact Norm Brueger in the Albion area, any one of your local Fontenelle dealers, or you can find us on Facebook or by going to Fontenelle.com. RVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue this conversation today with Arlen Suderman, he is, of course, with Stonex. And we left off kind of talking about what's happening globally. And I know the, the fear is out there, Arlen, if we don't get this rain, not only here in the States, but if we see the issues that are happening globally with Ukraine and their winter wheat, that's a that whole area, as you and I have talked many times before, is the breadbasket. Um this pressure, is it going to continue? How are we going to see this continue to filter into the prices? And is it going to be a roller coaster like we've seen? I mean, wheat dropping 85 um, in Chicago, for example. This pressure, is this going to be here to last, unfortunately? I think we're going to see this volatility for some time, unfortunately. And uh, it's very frustrating to both producers and end users. Um, it's totally disconnected with the cash markets. It makes it very difficult for the cash markets to really get established. It makes it very frustrating for the uh, grain buyers to be able to establish a price and be able to hedge that price uh, when they buy it from the producer. Um, this really isn't good for anybody but the but the funds who are trading the computers. And that was a big factor today is just the computers, and it continues to be. We've chased a lot of the ordinary traders out of the markets to the sideline and, until this thing can settle down somewhat. And uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. I don't really think we're trading fundamentals. We're trading a computer's perception of fundamentals, which may or may not reflect reality at any particular time. Uh, the fact is that we, we came into this war with tight corn, soybean, and milling wheat supplies in the world. And then the war um, dramatically tightened things up. And today the market was kind of acting like, oh, if we get a peace treaty, then all will be fine again. And, and that's not true. As we talk to our people in Ukraine, our customers and, and stuff, um, we find that they have significant challenges ahead of them. Now, some of the locals have said that we'll see a 40% decline in plantings if the war ends now. And that's probably reflective of some optimism because the farmers always have a can-do optimism about them. We'll figure out a way to get it done. But sadly, when you consider the details of building infrastructure and financing back it it's a daunting task ukraine and russia both uh, rated junk bond status now how long before the roads and bridges can be built back to allow proper transport how long to clear the fields of mines and warfare debris uh, to get tractors and equipment back um and and meanwhile that that's at a time when the rest of the world's still dealing with covid back orders um from an efficiency perspective the region has been set back greatly what's taken two decades to build in ukraine has been wiped out in a matter of days it could take ukraine five plus years to build back uh whereas Pro russia maybe decades now to build back um the 40% decrease in acreage is kind of a wild guess. 
that the locals are giving us. Ukraine's government said it'll help support spring plantings, but the details are far from clear. If we get to the end of the month and the war is still going on there, we can probably assume a 50 to 60 percent decrease in acreage. If the war is still there in mid-April, you can assume very minimal plantings. The wheat right now looks okay in Ukraine and Russia, but here too, how much will be harvested in Ukraine and who will harvest it? Uh, the farmers are in the war effort. The fuel is in the war effort. Russian crops look just fine, but who will be able to buy them? The key corn production areas remain in central and northeastern parts of Ukraine. It might be easier to assume more plantings if those key areas were in the west where the war hasn't affected as much, but they're not. So we still have some really ongoing concerns about uh, food, uh, grain for livestock, etc., not just in Ukraine, but in the world. And we think this is going to go on for some time until we can rebuild that supply. Well, before we wrap this all up, Arlen, we can't forget that there are other things happening um, in this market world, and that includes what's been going on in South America. It's been kind of quiet in the background, but it's still there with their crop issues and weather issues going on. Yeah, I think we talked about last week or two how we had a surge in buying of U.S. soybeans because of how high basis was getting in Brazil. And so U.S. soybeans became cheaper than Brazilian soybeans. So we had strong weekly export sales in a week ending March 3rd as a result. Well, Brazil's basis hasn't weakened, but ours is now strengthened to the point where those elevated Brazil numbers are now cheaper than ours. And Brazil soybeans and even U.S. soybeans um, shipped to China now are over $23 a bushel, and China is still buying, but that's shifted the business back to Brazil until their supplies tighten up again, and then it comes back here. All right, great conversation today, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to reach you? StoneX.com is our website, or over on Twitter, Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell, where commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable for all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.